Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, listeners, to Iron Radio. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a sports nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens, strength coach for Strength Guild. I'm also an athlete in powerlifting, handling games, amongst other things. Jeez, what, I'm, I'm selling coffee now. So yeah, oh yeah. A, I don't know what you call those people, but I'm one of them. So. Are you a barista? No, that's who serves No, coffee. that's who serves it. Roaster? So. No, you're not the roaster. You're the... Man behind the scenes again. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just helped make the sub the uh, the blend. So I'm a taster, I guess. Yeah. Coffee, Con- creator. coffee creator. There you go. It doesn't sound fancy enough, but I'll take that. <laughs> cool. This is uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I own Extreme Human Performance, and I teach for Globe University. Do some stuff with Eat to Perform. A bunch of other stuff too. Alrighty, we uh, have a bunch of news uh, this week. We had a, a guest who had to reschedule, but that leaves us time to kind of wade through uh, some of this news. So uh, we'll just toss in our two cents about this. After the break, just as a little heads up, we're going to talk about what's in our supplement cabinets. And you might pick up some tips there or compare it to your own. Depends on your goals, of course. Anyway, let's get to this. Much of this comes from the Institute of Food Technologists. I've sort of... Uh, propped their newsletter before because it's really good. It's a really big collection of a lot of things, and much of it, again, from the IFT.org, you can go find this. They have a wellness newsletter. Now, don't get bogged down in their other stuff because these guys are literally like chemical engineers, and, I mean, they'll go off the deep end. But uh, there's a lot of stuff in their wellness newsletter very pertinent to us. Uh, This first one is researchers may be able to create super broccoli. University of Illinois researchers have identified candidate genes for controlling the accumulation of phenols in broccoli. Uh, It says consumption of phenolic compounds, including certain flavonoids, is, of course, you know, related to reduced risk of various diseases, less coronary heart disease, type 2 diabetes, uh, asthma, even cancer. In fact, that's one of the things that I look for uh, in my veggies, you know, those indole-containing anti-cancer type broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, that kind of stuff. It says, uh, anyway, in the study published in Molecular Breeding, was the name of the journal, the researchers crossed two broccoli lines and tested their progeny in terms of total phenolic content and their ability to neutralize oxygen radicals in cell assays. It says, by identifying the genes involved in accumulating these compounds, the researchers are one step closer to breeding broccoli and related brassica vegetables like kale and cabbage with mega doses of phenolic compounds. They do go on, though, to say, one of the geneticists, that this is just a step in the right direction. It's not the final answer. Um, What I took away from this was, well, just like they're tweaking coffee. You know, they're breeding coffee not to naturally not produce caffeine. Uh, That that seems abominable, but I get it. You know, um, right. But, but... 
the, this is like the opposite. I mean, the whole journal, I printed it off. The journal is called Molecular Breeding, New Strategies in Plant Improvement. And to me, this is like the opposite of the GMO scare, right? So many people are afraid of genetically modified organisms, and that debate goes on and on, Whether, regardless of how much scientists say it's not a big problem to human health. but And then here's a journal that just revels in it, really, you know, trying to improve nature. Sounds yeah, a we saw that, bold. if you remember, Lonnie, at Experimental Biology back in D.C., I think, and it was... You know, sponsored by huge companies, we're trying to alter sulforaphane content in broccoli and add different yep. colors. That's and right. Even one of the Monsanto ones said that they were moving away from "quote unquote" GMO research, and we're doing it by lab-tested selective breeding to say that it was not really GMO. Then, so it's mm-hmm. interesting. <laughs> yep. Yep. Maybe it's all in how they. They state it. In fact, that's in. The, there's more of that coming up in the news here, the regulatory part of the news. But mm-hmm. uh, here's one: uh, Arla Foods opens dairy protein hydrosylate factory in Denmark. Mm-hmm. So apparently, this new built from the ground up, 40 million euro facility can Oof. produce 4,000 tons of whey and casein hydrosylates a year. Wow. Uh, yeah, and, you know, of course, the hydrolysates are the, the things that they pre-treat the, the whole proteins with enzymes, and they break them down into peptide chunks, and then they can have different biological effects and whatnot. Um, it says the factory features manufacturing technology, as well as pilot plants, analytical labs, and research and development facilities. So it, there's some comments in here. It says... Um, the best dairy hydrolysate ingredients available anywhere in the world, says Anders Steen uh, Jorgensen, business unit director uh, at Arla Foods. Uh, our solutions offer scientifically documented health benefits. And they, they talk about you know, these benefits can be like the solubility. And we all know that there are some protein powders that mix in water or milk and some just don't. Um, superior microbiology. Uh, uniform quality, that sort of stuff. So, uh, interesting stuff. I wonder if this extra four thousand tons of whey and casein that's going to come out uh, is this plant so expensive that it's really not going to make anything any cheaper, or will it somehow affect the industry in some way? Because it sounds like a serious deal. So, I don't know. Yeah, hopefully that results in cheaper protein or yeah. or something better about the products. You know, their the yeah, solubility or the. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if they came up with some new peptides that, you know, because some of these peptides, they lower your blood pressure or they can have an- anabolic or anti-catabolic effects or gut benefits. I don't know. Maybe they come up with some cool stuff here. So that's also in the news, that Denmark um, factory. Hmm. What else do we have here? Um, animal study reveals how altered gut microbes may cause obesity. Now, I know that Dr. Nelson has seen this stuff before. There seemed to be a connection between acetate and how the gut bacteria talk to the rest of your physiology. And that's what this is sort of about. It says uh, a study published in Nature, and for those of you who aren't familiar, that's arguably the top-tier science journal. But a Yale team of researchers identified by what mechanism an altered gut microbiota may cause obesity. So there was an earlier study by this uh, Dr. Schulman, 
who's a professor of medicine at Yale, and he observed that acetate, right, it's a short-chain fatty acid. It's not like a long-chain regular fat like we usually see and taste in the diet, but a short-chain fatty acid called acetate, it stimulated secretion of insulin in rodents. So the research team compared acetate to other short-chain fatty acids, and they found that, indeed, it was the acetate in animals uh, that was going up uh, when they consumed a high-fat diet. They also observed that infusions of acetate stimulated insulin secretion by beta cells in the pancreas. Um, now, it was unclear how, they, how that worked at the time, but it said next researchers determined that when acetate was directly injected into the brain, it triggered increased insulin by activating the parasympathetic nervous system. And then it says, finally, the research team sought to establish a causal relationship between the gut microbiota and the increased insulin. And again, trying to pin down that acetate is the messenger here. It says, after transferring fecal matter from one group of rodents to another, they observed similar changes in the gut microbiota also in the acetate levels and in insulin. So again, they're looking at the gut microbiome from a sort of a bad perspective, what happens when you eat a lot of uh, junk food or, uh, you know, that sort of thing, I think. Um, but it seems to be the acetate. So I don't know if they can get nailed down a mechanism. It makes me wonder, do we move away a little bit from the bacteria themselves that are populating your, your large intestines uh, and just focus on the acetate now? You know, I mean, if that's like the single biggest link, maybe we can eliminate the original problem, you know, the various bugs in your gut and just go right for manipulating that acetate. I also can't help but think that from some perspectives, maybe this is good for guys who want to gain weight. You know, if you're going to eat a high fat diet, knock back, a, you know, a, a Big Mac and some cookies or something every once in a while, you're going to increase insulin production you know, I mean, Phil, you play, play that game fat or powerlifter sometimes. It's mm -hmm. not like a lot of powerlifters care if they're carrying a little bit of extra body fat. Uh, insulin's, you know, may be helpful in mm -hmm. retaining muscle. I don't know. So I remember back in January we had discussed that uh, the gut microbiome was going to be a huge thing that continued to get attention this year, and here it is again. So anyway. Yeah, the hard part with all the human stuff in that is that we can't even figure out what's supposed to be a normal gut biome either and how much of it is adapted to your environment and lifestyle versus, you know, vice versa, maybe helping you make better decisions. And so it's, I think it's pretty fascinating. Yep, yep. We'll see how they nail this down. Uh, I don't know. To me, it's, it's one of those things that underlies a lot of things. Like a lot of people don't realize when you start to exercise – I think that alone can change some of the populations of the bacteria in your gut or or yeah. even even the omega-3 to omega-6 ratio of uh, fats in your tissues. And so there's a lot of these underlying mechanisms, but it kind of comes down to, well, I'm training now, <laughs> yeah, you know, mm -hmm. but anyway. Okay, there were three other ones in this IFT newsletter. Let me just share this with you guys to see what you think. Uh, this is all regulatory news, these next three, but they're pretty interesting. First one. U.S. Senators Reach a Deal on GMO Labeling. So I mentioned this a couple of minutes ago, but there's been an ongoing debate. Even though scientists are saying that genetically modified foods are, are safe, uh, there's an ongoing debate. And there's some comments in this little piece about, you know, why is there this ongoing debate? And, and I think, honestly, it's because people don't trust big pharma. Uh, 
they have sort of a treat, not cure approach to disease in many ways, you know, and I, I don't think people trust big pharma, just like maybe they don't trust big banks. But it says, according to the Associated Press, U.S. senators have a bipartisan deal to require labeling of genetically modified ingredients nationally. This would preempt the Vermont state law that requires GM labeling uh, and is due to go into effect July 1st. Wow. So, like, now. Uh, anyway, uh, it, it's a little bit softer, maybe, than the Vermont's law. Vermont's law required labels be labeled literally with the, the phrase produced with genetic engineering. And I think that was sounded a little scarier. Uh, this one's a little softer, but it, do, it does. It makes genetically modified foods clearly labeled. I think it, it allows a variety of different ways, symbols, text, whatever. But I think we're going to start seeing more foods that are clearly labeled GMO. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's not something I worry about, really. I mean, what do you think, Mike? Are, are you... What's your take on the whole GMO thing? Yeah, I, on one hand, I'm like, if you look into the actual process of what they do and how they do it, it just seems really kind of freaky. On the flip side, if you look at the data that we have so far, I can't really find anything that says, oh boy, they're utterly horrible. You know, and then other people argue, well, maybe it's a longer term effect. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you look into it even a little bit further and, the fruit we eat now is not the same as the fruit, mm-hmm. you know, several hundred to thousands of years ago either. You know, that has actually evolved and, and changed too. So it's, I think if there was something that was really horrible with GMOs, we'd probably already know about it. Um, my, my bias is I think we should have, obviously, more studies to see what's actually going on. And then I think that it actually should be labeled so that, you know, people can decide if that's something they want to consume or not i think not labeling it is just kind of a little sneaky which i think in turn makes it seem like there may be a a bigger issue because you get all the conspiracy nuts that are like oh it's not labeled and it's horrible and so i just it's yeah i'm usually in general a bigger fan of just more info better education and then just tell people what's going on (laughs) right transparency you know yeah it's one of those things where it's yeah you're right you can't say listen uh, the scientists are going to do the thinking for everybody. They mm-hmm. they say it's safe, so we don't need to tell you what's in it. It's yeah. like you know that's an elitist thing. I don't yeah. like that. You know you got to put some information in the hands of people. So I actually I like the labeling too. Um, okay, next one. This is going to be similar to uh, some recent developments with Phil. The World Health Organization reverses coffee's classification as a possible carcinogen. Now, if, if anybody's ever heard this, there was some talk oh, ages ago about, I think it was um, percolated coffee or different certain ways you brew it. They were concerned that it might actually be carcinogenic in some way. And now we know, in fact, it's quite the opposite. So uh, let's see. The World Health Organization's International Agency for Research on Cancer... The IARC has announced that there is no conclusive evidence of a carcinogenic effect uh, of drinking coffee. This reverses the agency's conclusion in 1991 that it was a possible carcinogen uh, specific to bladder cancer, I think was their concern. But it says they reviewed more than 1,000 studies and said it has no conclusive effects. In fact, um, probably the opposite. Uh, that it would reduce cancer of the esophagus in humans. 
Um, coffee has been shown to provide protective benefits that would potentially reduce the risk of liver and uterine cancer as well. Uh, it says a summary of the final evaluations is published in The Lancet Oncology. So that's a very top-tier journal with detailed uh, assessments published coming up in their monographs. So the World Health Organization catching up, maybe, that coffee is probably anti-carcinogenic. And if you think about it in a lot of ways, it's just um, stewed beans and you're getting a lot of these phytochemicals. I mean, why are we consuming a lot of fruits and vegetables, you know, to get the phytochemical content? So, um, you know, there you have it. I'm surprised they didn't mention anything about diabetes or anything, but this was specific to cancer. So, so Phil, you've got you got your coffee kicking. Yeah, man, we got it out. It's taken us a number of months to get what we wanted. Um, the first thing was just sitting down and figuring out what I wanted, which means meant tasting a bunch of different beans, um, and then it was sourcing the right beans. So the first <laughs> the first source ended up. Basically, we ordered the beans we wanted after we tracked them down, and the first batch ended up moldy. So we had to, you know, send smoke signals to the mountains in Peru <laughs> because they have no telephones and let them know they sent us the wrong stuff. Um, anyways, we got it in, and basically what I was looking for was if anybody's had real high caffeine, high caffeine content coffee, it's generally lighter, and it's also very bitter, um, which isn't very enjoyable. Um I wanted something that was high high caffeine, but also tasted pretty good, um, and and was a little more darker. Yeah, yeah. So we had to make a blend, is what we ended up having to do, um, and you know we finally nailed it last about three weeks ago. I we narrowed it down to two choices, and I got to try those. They were both really good, but one of them you know stood out for what we were looking for. Basically, I wanted something that it kicked you in the butt taste wise and caffeine wise. Um, so we got that, and then I started putting it out. And our plan was to to launch in a couple weeks, but uh, I was like, hey "Man, let's just do it," you know. So we put it up for pre pre sale over the holiday weekend. Um, I sent out ten test bags to people on Iron Radio. Sweet. Um, so I know a couple of them showed up yesterday, so they'll be able to try it over the weekend. And uh, basically, it comes down to regular coffee is about one point two percent caffeine, and the beans that we sourced are just over three percent. Um, yeah, so almost three times as much. Um, and what you see in a lot of the coffees out there that are high caffeine is that you actually have to use like two or three times as much coffee when you're brewing it. And, you know, and that's not the case here. So you use your regular amount of coffee and it's just, it's the actual bean that's higher in caffeine. Right. Um, and basically what we had to source. So it's a lighter coffee. It's, they're made from in higher altitude is where they're grown. And things like that. These ones with, with a higher yeah. caffeine content. Yeah, yeah um, is like a robusta bean then, or is it a mix between robusta and arabic then? Just out of curiosity for the coffee uh, snobs uh, out there. I, I, you would have to talk to the coffee snob. Uh, makes it so. I, have, <laughs> I, have, I have literally just make me this. So basically, what I did is I, I about six months ago, I happened upon a guy that I went to elementary school with. Over the last twenty years. While I was traveling around the world becoming a coach, he was traveling around the world becoming a roast master. Nice. Um, so he has over 15,000 hours roasting. He was roaster of the universe in 2009. Um, universe? Yeah. He has Impressive. the highest rating on coffee review ever. Um, so the guy has a lot of credentials behind him. 
Nice. But that's who we teamed up with, and uh, because he just left, he was with another company. He was their top roaster for like fourteen years, and he kind of reached the place I did about the same time. It was like it's time to do this on my own. So he he left and started his own company, and so we've been buying all of our coffee from him for a while. And I was like, man, let's get together and do something, you know? So yeah, lifters uh, need need that, right? Yeah. So we <laughs> no. we co branded we co branded this, and uh, so it's Caffeined Coffee is who makes it. Um, Caffeined Coffee Company. And uh, we've got a couple other things in the pipes that we're working on uh, that could be very novel. I won't let those out yet. But, yeah, so we put it out there. And basically this was I wanted something that would be like a pre-training or when you need a good pick-me-up coffee. I mean, so. Yeah, you know, I was disappointed years ago when I first learned that my dark roast, which is I grossly prefer, vastly prefer, dark, like heavy coffee, Guinness beers, that kind of, you know, just darker, richer type things and when yeah it's like wait this is lower caffeine that's yeah, an yeah. abomination so we, yeah. so this gets around that <laughs> exactly and that's kind of what we we're going around i wanted something you know it didn't have to be because i he taught me that you know basically real high fat caffeine coffee is kind of light and doesn't taste that good um yeah you know i knew if we were going to go truly high caffeine it wouldn't probably be the best tasting coffee you've ever had but I want it to be damn good tasting. You know? right. So we had to take those. And that's what it took us a while to figure out is just how to make this, you know, really palatable and, and actually enjoyable to drink um, and still have that high caffeine. Well, you're not going to – let's so. face it. Most guys, they sit around in the pre-workout ritual. They, they want something strong, get their head in the game. Yeah. Uh, it's got to taste good. Of course it's got to taste really yes. good. And uh, But they're not going to sit around with their pinkies extended saying, I detect notes of oak and <laughs> exactly. raspberry. You exactly. Know? And then, you know – and then the the fun came out from there. It was like, what do we call this thing? And, and we had a bunch of different deals. And then I ended up calling it America Blend. You know, basically, I, I'm, I'm pushing it out there that we, we took coffee and we made it American. It's bigger, stronger, faster, you know. <laughs> and, uh, so I was like, screw it. Let's push that. So there we put a, a, a bald eagle on the cover. with It says America and the red, white, and blue. And, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm having fun blowing that up, being the – you know, just just overdoing the the uh, the sarcasm, right? On that side of the deal, so no, that's fun. Yeah, uh-huh. just just run with that sort of right, American kind of exactly. Thing. So, <laughs> well, uh, in a sense, you've got the World Health Organization at your back now because they're saying <laughs> <laughs> coffee is 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 good. It's good. Yeah. Coffee. So yeah, if anybody wants to buy it, you can. I put up a link on Iron Radio Facebook page, but it's on my site right now until we get my new store up um, that we've been working on a while, which is strengthguild.com. So you go there and you'll see the America Blend coffee, and it's until July fourth at midnight. It's on sale for fifteen dollars a pound. Um, it'll it'll be twenty dollars a pound after that. Is it ground and whole uh, bean, or how do you sell it? We're only selling whole bean. Whole bean, okay. Yeah. So, yep, only selling whole bean, and so you're gonna have to have a grinder too. But uh, well, that way yeah, it'll fresh. come to you. Every bag is dated. It tells you when it's roasted. Basically, we don't roast way ahead of time. We roast once a week. So, so it's always fresh. So we watch the orders. We know how much we need to roast each Monday. They ship out the Tuesday, um, and we'll go from there. So. Now, this guy is set up in your building? Right now, he's not. That's okay. one thing we're working on. He just got – so basically, when he started back out, roasters are really expensive. So when he took off on his own, he was kind of, you know, what do I do? So he was borrowing another company's roaster that he knew, and he just got his own. So he's set up now with all of his own equipment. Um. And then, yeah, we're going to work on that and potentially, you know, get there. So now you'll be able to come and drink coffee at my gym and smell right it roast. On. That would make so. the whole place smell fantastic. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh. 
Nice. Yeah, we're going to have fun with this, man. We're going to mess around with some other stuff. The next one that I'm working on is something, you know, the opposite of what we just built. So we just we just created the one that gets you all jacked up, and we're looking with some herbs and stuff like that to create a coffee uh, to chill out with, you know? Right. So something in the evenings that you can sip and won't keep you awake and will likely do the opposite and actually help you sleep. Yep. One of the things that I've actually found interesting about coffee, I was actually talking to uh, uh, – uh, pharmaceutical company about this, but is because of the way you consume coffee, you don't chug it. You kind of mm-hmm. sip it. Yeah. And so there are some things that I think could almost be absorbed through the mucosa of your mouth. Y- you know, mm-hmm. so instead of just swallow it and l- let your liver have its way with whatever you just swallowed, get some direct like mucosal absorption through the mouth. So there's, I- I'm always interested in some of these functional coffees too. Like what, what can you put in there? Again, because of the way you consume coffee, I think it's, it has more time, more presence against your cheek and your tongue and all that sort of stuff, you know. And so you, it's got a pretty good chance of getting your, your blood values, your uh, serum concentrations of whatever up if, mm-hmm. if it's something that's actually absorbable through the mouth. So yeah. uh, it's pretty, pretty neat, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it's fun stuff to mess with. You know, it gives me something else to put my hands into. So, and it relates to training. So anything that I can relate back to it, it's That's good right. stuff. So Enhance the life of lifters everywhere. Yeah, the next thing that we're just starting to work on is I'm working with a, a chef, and we're trying to create a strength guild rub So uh, for your meats. Oh, right. So <laughs> we're, we're doing it all, man. We're doing it all. Sweet. But, First I uh, thought I was thinking of your joints. I'm like, oh, <laughs> chef, what are you doing? Is it nice? <laughs> so Yeah. Rub on the meat on your plate, not on your own. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds bad. No, that's that. not on Lonnie's knee. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, I have one last little thing here. Uh, I, I don't. I just read this this morning, and I don't know how I feel about this, but Philadelphia passes soda tax. So, according to Reuters, uh, the city of Philadelphia voted thirteen to four to improve a one point five cent per ounce tax on pop on soda. Now, where I find this kind of odd is both sugary and diet versions. Uh, If you remember, New York City, the mayor really pushed this uh, a while back. He was trying to get like an obesity tax or a soda tax. It it got a lot of attention in the news. Uh, And that was defeated because of intense lobbying by like the American Beverage Association or what have you. Um, This one passed. So they're going to slap this tax on any sugary or diet drink. And of course the American Beverage Association is saying this is unfair, you know, it even singles out no calorie choices and and that sort of stuff and they're going to they're saying it's illegal and they're going to try to stop it. So, I mean, there have been a couple of other places around the country. Uh Berkeley, California was the first city to have such a tax, but this is a really Philly's a big market. Mm-hmm. And so and much bigger. Uh, it says residents of San Francisco, Oakland, California, and Boulder, Colorado will vote in November on similar, uh, you know, soda taxes, which could deal further blows to the U.S. soft drink industry already hit by declining soda consumption. So, what I've heard about this, we were just talking about this the other day um, with a, a client of mine that's here from Scotland, and uh, I guess they did the same thing in Mexico. And he said it backfired on them in the fact that, you know, it raised the price of soda, but so it made it a class drink. So basically it, it 
it raised the price to the point where you could only drink it if it, affluent people were the ones who were able to afford soda. So oh. it became very popular for them. It's like, oh, you can't afford soda. And A luxury. You can. So everybody wanted it then because <laughs> it was because it was something that showed that you were affluent and had had money. Yeah. Um, so basically, now you have a black market for soda. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, consumer behavior, man, it's a whole field of its own. I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the government trying to protect us from ourselves. You know, if you're stupid yeah. enough to drink a, a case a day, well, maybe you should die of something horrible. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, I don't. We don't need them telling us not to. You know, you should be educated enough to know it's not okay. Well, I, you know, and, this this came up the other day. I was talking to someone, and uh, it, on another podcast, we were, we were just talking about this. That there's a certain level. You're right uh, of education, maybe that you need to presume. Like if somebody can't say broccoli is healthier in many ways than uh, high fructose corn syrup soda pop. If you can't d- identify which one of these might be better for you, then crawl out from under your flipping rock, yes. right? Because I understand that there's certain levels of education maybe and that sort of thing. But, oh, my God, you know, yeah. if, if you can't – you're right. If you're chugging this stuff by the gallon, then take responsibility for what you're doing because don't tell yeah. me you think it's healthy. Yes. I don't know. Uh, Interesting. Yep. So, so, yeah, I didn't know about the whole – that was the first time I had seen it on – the uh, zero calorie diet versions mm-hmm. and you know with all of the negative press around artificial sweeteners you know non-nutritive sweeteners lately well maybe it's not any better you know when we had anthony almada on here he i said you know one of the listener questions was artificial sweetener or sugar and he said sugar mm-hmm. you know that he would prefer and uh, you can almost make an argument you know because of everything they've said with artificial sweeteners um changing your gut bacteria or so maybe they're maybe they're right in also taxing the zero calorie artificially sweetened versions i don't know what do you think mike yeah the whole i mean we saw some of the data experimental biology even two years ago with you know artificial sweeteners and gut bacteria and most of the data I've seen on artificial sweeteners doesn't really show that it's much of an issue. You know, like, we saw some data, too, as you remember, Lonnie, from experimental, was it biology, I think, showing that because you're tasting a sweeter sensation, you may be more of an insulin, you know, release, and then other studies show that there wasn't, and I don't know. I think it's just also, the studies to me that are the most fascinating are the ones where you replace something with a, a diet, quote-unquote, or no-calorie version and it doesn't automatically result in people eating less calories either. You know, if you're in a you know, fitness population, you're highly controlling your macros and all those types of things, yeah, you probably see a difference. It probably works pretty good for you. But, you know, the average population running around, I think the assumption is if we just replace stuff with zero-calorie foods, then they'll just all miraculously lose weight. And, yeah, I don't know if that's as true as what we think. Yeah, so. people compensate, and and you know, yeah. and, and like I said, to me, it's it's in combination with other things. People yeah. don't move around; they they mm-hmm. consume all these different emulsifiers and stuff. Like I said, that weakens your gut lining, and then make maybe makes some of those bacteria more of a problem. It's sort of this complicated holistic thing that's all adding together. I, I still look at dietary uh, artificial sweeteners, non nutritive sweeteners. 
as sort of a lesser of two evils. I, I get it that you're trying to have your cake and eat it too kind of thing with those things, maybe literally uh, compared to sugar, but I don't know. But they're they're going to tax them both regardless. So yeah. we'll see where that goes. But, I mean, again, if your diet is made up primarily of stuff made with artificial sweeteners, you're missing the boat, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. No, that's uh, right. You need to retrain just, your palate and want, yeah. actually appreciate real foods. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the hard part is people's palates get changed to very hyper sweet everything. Oh, right on. Right? Even like coffee has become that way. Like, yeah. you have like one of these fancy coffees. I had one the other day, I tried it, and I'm like, this doesn't even taste like coffee. This tastes like I'm sucking on a bunch of sugar that got Syrup. coffee infused into it. <laughs> yeah, gross. So, yeah. yeah. I was actually up in Canada, and I even got I got a cappuccino at Tim Hortons. And I got – this must have been 10 years ago. I was up there helping Rob move or something, and uh, I, I, I didn't even finish it. I practically spit out the one swallow that I took. I'm like, this is disgusting, <laughs> you guys. I mean, yeah. you know – and you're right. Something that's supposed to be anti-diabetic and, and healthy for you, like coffee, I'm sure after after they make it 90% sugar syrup, that's uh, no longer going to offer as many yeah. you know benefits at least. So, and coffee is supposed to be slightly bitter. That's yeah. kind of the deal. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Actually, taste it. You can't even taste foods through all the sugar and salt these days. You yeah. know. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's go to break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about what's what's in our supplement cabinets. And maybe, listeners, you can think about what's in yours. Hey, listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you, uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle. Oh, you poor meathead. All that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what. Uh, there is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote-unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, there's an enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that. And uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit uh, royalty on the book. But that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. And on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, We'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, 
Uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, everybody, we are back, and like Lonnie said, we're going to talk to you about what is in our supplement cabinets. And, you know, I don't know, we'll see. Um, like, I was just joking with Lonnie and Mike, uh, I'm going to kind of bore the hell out of you guys. You know, you could fit mine in, like, uh, <laughs> a small cup or something. So, I mean, I don't, I don't take many supplements now. I mean, I've been through that. You know, there were times when I had tons of stuff, and it was like, oh, I had to time everything. At 3 p.m., I need to take this. At, you know, 4.45 p.m., I need to take this. And along with my training getting more simple and grounded, I guess that did too, and I whittled everything down to, okay, here's what I need. Um, and I'll be frank. I mean, I'm poor at taking the couple things that I want to think people should take. Um, you know, the two things that I keep around are fish oils and creatine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I find myself having a hard time now. To I think it's from years of like doing everything timed from meals and and supplements to like, man, I'm just letting go, um, and concentrating on eating good food and getting my training in. Um, you know, I started concentrating on the 99 percent instead of the one percent. I was I found myself wasting way too much time on the one percent. Um, right, so micromanagement kind of thing. Yeah, well, it is true. I mean, you, I can't tell you how many young guys I. Well, not any, not just young, any guy, and we've all done this. You'll talk to some client or uh, somebody at a meeting or just out in public, and they're obsessing over some herbal testosterone booster. And I'm like, boy, you eat 1,500 <laughs> calories a day. Yeah. You know, so that kind of stuff. Um, actually, well, now, what about whey protein, Phil? Do you ever slam back some whey? Very rarely. I mean, we've had like a two-pound container up in the kitchen for like it, – it should probably be thrown out. Wow. Because it's been sitting around. Um, so, no, I don't. I mean, the only time that I really – and I've talked to this with people. It's the opposite of most people. Most people start gaining, and they think they need to get protein powder. The only time I'm doing that, I'll take some more here soon when I start cutting down because I'm going to cut down for the first time in a long time. Yeah. And I find it an easy, low-calorie way to keep my protein up. Um, other than that, when I'm gaining – I go for give me a ribeye, not a freaking right, right. <laughs> not a shake. No, I hear you. So the, give me a ribeye and a glass of milk. The can of milk. protein is back behind the uh, pounds and pounds of you know slabs of meat that you've got stored. Right? Yeah. So, so I mean, no, I mean I don't do that much anymore either. I mean I've I've every once in a while I will, um, if I'm in a hurry or something. Right. That, it's definitely not even near a staple. Yeah. You know? Yeah, nowhere close. That's really that's my use of whey mostly, or whey casein mix is all when I'm running around just busy. You know, I'll just kind of sip on it. You know, it's either that or coffee. And when it's yeah. both, got them in the bathroom <laughs> eight times a day. But 
Uh, let me share something real quick because this is just something that's happened to me. And uh, I don't know what the usual time frame for healing something like this is, but uh, I've had some remarkable recovery with just – it's just cocktail of stuff. And Because let's face it, I am – I am not a science experiment. I'm a person, and I'm going to do everything possible. And I know these things may interact in different ways with each other. Don't care. I'm just going to mm-hmm. I'm going to dump as many different anti-inflammatory things on this as possible. But I uh, I was out running, and I I'm almost certain I I tore my medial meniscus. And I mean, it was so bad. I'm literally like crawling to the bathroom at night to go to the bathroom. And Phil, I know with all your surgeries and everything, you you can identify with some of that. I mean, I I couldn't. It wouldn't bear weight. I it shut down. It was useless. And within a week, I was walking around, and within two weeks, I'm mowing the lawn. And uh, this is what I did. Now, again, this is not a scientific demonstration. It's just a personal story. But uh, I decided it was time to get serious with the curcumin. You know, so I'm taking a standardized extract. In fact, I double dose uh, their curcumin. And for people who aren't familiar, you know, it's in curry powder. We've talked about it on the show before. It's anti-inflammatory, has a lot of potential benefits. And it's one of the things that a lot of consumers have positive feedback about as well. Um, So I was doubling up on the curcumin. I actually took some, I don't know, we just got it at Sam's Club or what, but glucosamine, chondroitin, and MSM uh, combo. And I started taking that. Now, I've talked to physicians about this before and they'd say this seems to work for about a third of my patients but the people it works for it really works for mm-hmm. and uh again not delving into the literature mikey maybe you're more read on some of that but um i know it sure works for my mom or at least she thinks it does uh with her arthritis and stuff so i thought well maybe i've got those genes i'll throw that into the mix uh i take vitamin c just for general soft tissue healing and that kind of thing. I always take low-dose vitamin C. I take a 250-milligram one that I got off off of Amazon uh, because it's hard to find ones that low. But I think a lot of guys don't realize that even a fairly good-sized man, a big man, he'll saturate his tissues on around 200 to 250 milligrams a day. So it makes me wonder, why are we taking 500 and 1,000, especially when you the higher dose you go with the vitamin C, the less percentage you absorb? Anyway, so I was taking the 250 milligrams C. I was taking two to 4,000 IUs of vitamin D. And I was taking a um, like a sublingual form of a vitamin E as well that's supposed to have impressive anti-inflammatory effects. It's not regular vitamin E. but um, So that's mostly my story. I mean, a triple strength fish oils, I'll take three of those in the morning. So everything that I'm talking about here is anti-inflammatory or... Uh, helping with soft tissue repair, you know, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I've got the usual other stuff, too. I've got some B12 that sometimes I use, sublingual B12. Um, I keep the creatine next to my coffee pot, you know, because I just think uh, a teaspoon of that, you know, in my coffee every day is just good for my nervous system and everything else. So, and and again, yeah, the, the whey protein and stuff like that. <laughs> but, uh, so much of what I just went down is specifically anti-inflammatory, though, um, yeah, I usually, like in class, I talk about there's different categories of dietary supplement, right? There's fat loss products, there's muscle gain, <clears throat> that sort of stuff. There's recovery products, and sometimes these things cross over a little bit. Uh, the stimulant products, for example, they could be pre-workout or fat loss. But I think at my age, I'm going to have to add joint support uh, as another category just because I always seem to be getting hurt these days. It's just don't get old, listeners. That's my, my advice for you. Avoid it. 
have you tried a collagen protein at all, Lonnie, or looked into that much? I have not. I, I'm, I am curious about that because I've seen some positive research about it, and I never thought I anything would come out of that collagen research. But it looks like maybe it is. So Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff I've seen, I haven't had time to go like a super deep dive on it. I think for joint health, it may be useful. I think there's obviously companies now that will remain nameless that are, oh, it's the best post-workout, you need it for everything. It's like, well, it doesn't do crap for muscle protein synthesis, which we've known for years. But I think for you know possibly joint health, I think there may be some use for it. Yeah. The Jell-O company needs to jump on that. Yeah, there you go. No doubt, right? <laughs> cheap. Talk about a cheap raw material. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, yeah. What about you then, Mike? What, what's what's in your cabinet, or at least what you're taking lately, or if anything? Yeah, so kind of like Phil. I mean, I usually just have kind of the basic stuff. I mean, creatine monohydrate, which you know, people are like, but you do you bring that when you go on vacation or travel? I'm like, no, half the time I forget. <laughs> That's right. a pain in the butt because it's a powder. Mm. Um, so I'll just you know when I'm home, or I'll I'll take it then and. You know, it's stored in the muscle, so it's not like I'm going to, you know, creatine levels are going to plummet through the earth in, mm-hmm. you know, three days or two weeks or whatever. Um, and I don't notice a huge difference either way with it, but there's just tons of data and it's cheap. Uh, fish oil, I use a, f- a fair amount of that, although I kind of go in waves lately, so I've used it more, and then uh, lately just a little bit less just to see if there's any difference. Um, I do rotate some different types of protein powder, uh, different types of whey, and even some um, not really soy, but like a rice protein, so kind of non-dairy proteins once in a while. Um, that's been fine lately, but I know in the past when I was like super stressed and finishing my PhD, I, I did a short stint for a while that I thought I could try to live on whey protein and a few other things because it was so convenient, and uh, that did not go so well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, my gut was very angry with me, but that seems to be the high stress with that at the same time. Um I do use like a multivitamin, which is actually from Hardy Nutritionals. It's just a full spectrum multivitamin that I've had other people use who have kind of some movement stuff, and there's some interesting stuff with that, with uh, even mood disorders and things of that nature. Um, and then I usually try to try out a few random things here and there just to see if there's any effect, which you know are definitely in the low single-digit percentages. But you know, like you, Lonnie, it's just I'm always curious. You know, is there really any effect or not? So one of them I've tried, just again, now I tried it in the past, last year. Uh, It's called a Peak O2 blend. It's actually a blend of of primarily uh, mushrooms, so different types of cordyceps and things of that nature. Um, Hmm. So I I think there may be some immune benefit to that. Um, Cyvation has it in a product called Extend Perform. There's one or two pieces of data showing that it may help performance a little bit. You know, nothing crazy. You're talking about seconds, you know, so nothing huge. But I think there may be possibly some immune benefits with that. And then also some different um, mushroom-infused teas and coffee and other stuff from the guys at Four Sigmatic. So I met them in Austin and talked to them for a while. So because I looked at, you know, just the overall diet. I'm a big fan of trying to get as much variety in as you can. You know, just mixing different you know veggie shakes so you have more vegetables and trying to yeah. expand out what you eat. Yeah. And when I did that sort of analysis recently, I realized that, oh, I guess mushrooms are kind of all in their own little class of things because they're, they're fungi, and I don't really eat that many. So maybe this will be a way to kind of incorporate a few more of those into. 
Yeah, I think it's healthy to look at supplements as sort of just powdered food, you know, in a lot of ways and instead of something magical. I mean, we're all sort of old enough and jaded enough, been around the block, that <laughs> you're not going to get real excited about something. Like, I don't know, like a lot of what I've been doing lately is, in addition to those curcumin tablets uh, or uh, capsules, I'll, I'll just put a couple of teaspoons in shakes. I'll make peanut butter protein shakes. And I'll throw yeah. some in there. I mean, that stuff looks funny in the blender, you know. And God, that stuff stains everything. Mm-hmm. I bitched about that before, but I remember there was a dietitian. I tweeted a picture of the bag of <clears throat> turmeric powder that I got, and she's like, "You're never going to go through that." And it's like, you know, there's like an inch left in the bottom of it because I'm like, I'm not playing games with this. I know it's not highly bioavailable, you know. And I, <laughs> I'm going to like tell my genetics, listen, we're living in India right now, you know. <laughs> But. Yeah, speaking of staining everything, because I'll order a lot of the raw powders and the, the individual in- ingredients, and you know, sometimes just directly from the manufacturers. And I got some um, blueberry powder, and holy crap, does that stuff will stain everything mm. it comes in contact with. Yeah. So yeah. if you if you use that and it's a highly just pure concentrate, uh, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, good stuff. I. We may have talked. I'm sure we've we've talked about dietary supplements in in years past. We've been doing this for a long time, but it's interesting how things come and go depending on your problems. You know, like uh, I'm I'm swallowing handfuls of these uh, pills right now. Most of it just because I've I've got to get my knee functional. You know, and I've noticed this last time I went in the gym, I could squat. And the nature of the injury is that sort of straight up and down movements aren't much of a problem. You know, so the squatting feels okay and stuff, but. Um, I, yeah, once that's gone, I imagine I'll be back to my more or less minimal, you know, stuff like the creatine, the fish oils, and stuff like that. But again, I, to me, it's just nutrients that I might otherwise be missing, as opposed to some magical anabolic mix. So, and one other one I have used uh, more recently too, not as much now, but have used it more in the past for just for cognition, or if I have to do a lot of heavy writing or that type of thing, is called uh, Utopian. Uh, it's from DeNovo Nutrition, so it's a mix of caffeine and a few other uh, different things, maca purines, uh, CDP, which is a choline source, and huperzine A. Oh, we are in um, yep, yep. And that seems to work pretty well. I actually really like that. So You know, the- it, that's a good point, Mike. We might want to do a show at some point about nootropics. You know, yeah. a lot of people that are interested in building their bodies are also interested in things that might enhance their their cognitive function. And I, there's some stuff out there with some interesting data behind it. I think, frankly, you know, so yeah, there's some interesting stuff there. And then, nervous system. Uh, recently, I just started using uh, aniracetam again, which is uh, racetam for a nootropic. And I don't know. I mean, it seems to help a little bit. It's nothing crazy, though. You know, but I think the like anything else, right? I get more nervous with people who kind of throw everything into a kitchen sink and it has paradoxically a bigger effect, right? So if I find a supplement that has some huge massive effect, it actually makes me kind of nervous and I paradoxically don't use it that much because <laughs> it just something doesn't seem to add up, right? And I mean, years ago we had like pro hormones that were legal and that type of thing and I know with even like the stimulant category, people are always looking for the next, you know, DMMA or ephedrine or whatever. And some of that stuff, I think this may get pushed a little bit too far, but that's just my bias. No, it's true. Even the anti-inflammatory cocktail that I've been taking, I can't help but think, are some of these things interfering with each other? 
you know. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Um, didn't seem to. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, that's going to be it for this week. Uh, Phil, next week we have a Highland Games champ. Is that right? Yep. We got Mike Beach on next week. He just won nationals. So Nice. Very cool. Light, lightweight nationals. So, we're going to talk about lightweight Highland Games, which is the, the, the stepsister to regular Highland Games. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Um, and other than that, happy uh, Independence Day to all the Americans out there. Happy Canada Day yesterday to our yeah. listeners. And uh, you have a cup of Phil's American coffee. Yeah, go. I'm gonna go order my coffee, Phil. <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right, yeah. Yeah. talk to you guys later. All right, see you guys. Hey, listeners, have you seen the store at IronRadio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention, uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. So we try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each Hall of Iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So... Thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.